This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, host Brandon, host Nick, no damn, but we've got Clayton, another member of the goalkeeper union, joining me after this Arsenal match we're going to be reviewing. So first off, Clayton, welcome back. How you been? Yeah, I'm good, my friend. Very good to be back. I uh, haven't seen you guys since London, so it's, uh, I don't even want to know how long ago that was. That was, uh, it was good, though. Seven uh, months hopefully. ago, man. It was seven months ago. Oh, God. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be back again soon. Yes, hopefully. Always well, on the lookout for that. Two of you. Yeah. Uh, Clayton donning an amazing uh, <laughs> Statue of Liberty Jets t-shirt in front of a uh, uh, Tiago Silva TIFO banner at the bridge. So worth a check on YouTube as, he, as you see this. He's playing into us, Nick. You can tell he's uh, <laughs> leaning in. Clayton is is an American sports fan, baseball and football. So he has... Uh, Listen, they, they are having their most, and I don't know if this is a phrase, but their, non, their first non-sucking season for, for quite a few <laughs> years. So uh, that's why I'll keep a t-shirt on. Drink yeah, you got you got CJ Zoma there to uh, keep the blue connection for you at a minimum. Uh, but hey, we, you know what we do here, breaking down the Arsenal match. We're going to go through it. Love to get Clayton's perspective as he was there. Um, and so to kick it off, like we always want to do, it is with the three-word match review. It gives us a temp check of where you're at. If you want to get involved, uh, check out our Discord. Obviously on social media, this is where we source them from. Nick, duties go to you on this one. That is right. Uh, Gabriel from Discord, of course, with We Beat Ourselves, hard to argue. Uh, Matt Fitz with Take the Point. Uh, also a pretty big sent- uh, sentiment online, I should say, is just happy with the draw. Uh, Grizz, Growing Pains Suck. Yep, that is correct. Pablo P, <laughs> Infinite Athletes, still undefeated. We're using a hyphen with Infinite Athletes uh, to make that one word and still fit within the uh, three-word description but we'll give it to you anyway uh def chucks daddy almost gunner stunner that would have been fantastic bo martin pride yet pain i feel like that's that pretty much sums it up that's a nice one bo uh adi with robbed by bob <laughs> and tana overall with his name's robert and if you've listened to the show for any period this year you'll know exactly what that means so uh yeah I, I feel pretty. I feel pretty good about that temp check. It, you know, it's it's level. It's measured. I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised that you or Dan only included two about uh, <laughs> Bob Sanchez. So Dan wrote the script. This mine mine would have maybe been a little bit more weighted the other way. I was gonna say there's clearly a lot more of that discussion uh, on the social spaces, but. I went with Potch's project progresses, always pushing for the litter, uh, the alliteration the whenever we can. And I think this was a huge step forward in terms of playing big teams and things. So we'll, we'll touch on that. Nick, what about you? Switching it up at last minute, but winning is hard. Uh, this team has, I think, yet to really find that extra gear to win big matches so far. And that is going to take time. Um, we, we got so used to the spine forever, just finding ways to win. These guys have to develop that. All right. Clayton, what about you? Well, I've moved away from the actual result, and I, uh, my three-word match review was, he meant it. <laughs> he meant it. <laughs> Surprise. That's the only one. That's the only he meant it in here. That's good. 
Uh, I like it. Well, uh, as always, we just want to shout uh, out everyone who participates with the show. Really appreciate it. Like the three-word match review, Dan of the Matches, and so, so much more. But if you want to do that, follow us on social. Check it out on YouTube. Subscribe. Again, Clayton's rocking the shirt. Absolutely love to see it. Uh, we're on our way to 30K subscribers there. And then, as always, the five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, Spotify. we got to ask because it really helps. Free way to support the show. We would appreciate it. Obviously, a lot of shows... Um, now that we're coming out of the international break, I think, you know, thank God football is back. But we did do a Cobham crew last week with Phil, and it was a listener mailbag. What I do want to call out is we did get the question of like, hey, who are the three up-and-coming prospects? I'll tease you with the Alex Matos. Obviously, uh, our boy at Nottingham Forest, who's not getting game time, <laughs> right? <laughs> we want to see a little bit more from him. Andres those Santos? Are, those are the two that I will tease. There's a lot more with him. Uh, and at the same time, we got the, the, um, the, the oh, man, Blue Royalty is recording literally as we are as well, Nick. So a ton yep. of content. We're back. Like, we're, the football's back. We're back. The football is back. You may also notice on a couple of episodes this month, uh, maybe for the remainder of the month, that... We don't have ads on the shows for a little bit. Um, that is for a very specific reason that we will get into uh, as we get closer to a future announcement. But uh, enjoy some uh, ad-free content here for a little bit and uh, and let it roll. Just let the whole show roll for you. All right. Well, let us go ahead and jump into the match details. It was Arsenal this past Saturday, the 21st of October, in the Premier League at the Bridge. In case you missed it, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 2. Goals coming from Cole Palmer in the 15th minute. Mikhail Mudrik in the 48th assist from Gallagher could have been Raya. Uh, Rice getting the breakthrough 77th minute, which will be a huge talking point with Trissard. Uh, assist Sock in the 84th, getting it all drawn up. There was a lot of action, so we're going to kick it over to the Fifth Stand app, the only app from Chelsea FC. Thank you to them for letting us use their highlights. We'll be right back. Sterling twisting and turning and almost squeezed it through to Gallagher Zinchenko. Was nowhere and Zinchenko's giving it away and here is Conor Gallagher, any room for a shot, blocked at source, out to Fernandez. He'll have to wait a little longer for his first Premier League goal. Gusto's there on the overlap, Sterling sends it in toward Mudrick, now what did that hit? Big appeals for handball, Chris Cavanagh had a good view of that, he's looking over at his assistant. To me, it's very much a modern day penalty. It's a penalty. Sends the goalkeeper the wrong way, and Chelsea go in front, and Cole Palmer makes it 2-2. Two two. Here's Palmer. Oh, he's going to go for it, Cole Palmer. That's a really good effort. Palmer getting up to help. Look at the speed of Mudrick as he takes over. Up against Saliba. Oh, Mikhailo Mudrick has scored! Incredible goal! Well, whether he meant it or not, only he knows, but who cares? Mudrick with his first goal at Stamford Bridge. Oh, Palmer, what's Raya done there? Palmer can make it three. Oh, and Raya did just about enough. Dear, dear, Declan Rice, though, has halved the deficit from absolutely nothing. Saka. Oh, it's a good ball for Trossard, he's made it 2-2. From nothing, Arsenal have got themselves back level. Oh, it can't get worse, can it? And Ketty is going through the middle, he's got something on that as well! Oh my goodness, me nearly scored. 
All right. So action-packed, a lot to break down. Uh, Nick, we can reverse it. Go hit the lineup. Let's let's walk through how Potch lined up after an international break with a lot of guys still at home base. What did he what did he put out there? Yeah, a lot of injuries as he touched on in the in the pre-match press conference on Friday still. So, you know, a bit of a, a wonky lineup uh, with DeSauci apparently uh, picking up a bit of a knock. So uh, Robert Sanchez, a topic of conversation in this podcast for sure. Uh, starting in goal again, uh, we have Gusto, Silva, Colwell and Cucurea as your back for Cucurea resuming his uh, trade at left back this time with Gusto coming back in after his right card suspension. Uh, Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez making up a familiar pivot in midfield. Mikhailo Mudrik getting back into the lineup, uh, who has a very important uh, place in this game. Connor Gallagher and Raheem Sterling kind of making up that uh, midfield, advanced midfield three. And then Cole Palmer and Sterling kind of rotating as your false nine throughout the game uh, in, in different ways. Um, bench, let's see, Nicholas Jackson comes on in the 66th minute, Reese James comes on in the 84th minute alongside Matt Iweke. Um, and then a unsubs or unused substitutes bench of, Maurice, or, uh, sorry, of uh, Petrovic, uh, DeSauci, Batty Shield, Matson, Ugochukwu, and Washington. Clayton, I'm going to bring you in real quick because I just want to get what you maybe thought or felt your reaction to that lineup when you saw it. Uh, Obviously, international breaks sometimes. Usually, there's at least one to two surprises, it seems like, with Chelsea. Uh, but you saw the lineup. Probably not by the time you were on your way to the bridge, what did you make of it? Um, my main takeaway was the fact that we weren't playing with the striker. Mm -hmm. um, and a slight frustration, but you don't know whether Jackson had taken a knock um, because I never like playing without a striker. I think occasionally it works. Um, Arsenal quite strong in defence, so you wanted somebody for them to sort of worry about. Uh, the rest of the team, after hearing the team of sort of the injury news on Friday, wasn't really surprised. Um, I was quite interested to see uh, Levi Colwell actually play in his position, um, and sort of perhaps slightly nervous about Cucurella playing at left back, but um, as we'll discuss. There wasn't any need uh, because he was uh, it was one of our best performers on the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the striker definitely was probably the big one, especially because we saw Broya Jackson came in, really lifted the team in the second half uh, previously. But Nick, what about you? One, one thing about the striker position, obviously, uh, you saw Friday that Broya aggravated his other knee, which is a shame. He's not even on the bench yesterday, which is just you just hope to God that this kid can get healthy this year because he is such a weapon when he is. Um, and I think that we probably had to rush him back because of Jackson's suspension against Fulham, which you know, who knows what happens there. And then you saw Jackson had a bigger bandage on his hand this time. He, I think he had surgery um, in the break to kind of fix whatever he had kind of injured in the previous like three matches since we're doing three match stints with all these damn international breaks now. So um, that bandage was pretty meaty um and it, it looked like it was maybe kind of a post-op sort of bandage so let's hope that that thing starts to heal up for him quickly as well but you can imagine i don't know if you've you know brian i know brandon's broken bones before and stuff like that i've broken my fingers before even if you're not making a whole lot of contact with people which is unlikely in the premier league that thing still probably hurts a lot so 
Uh, hopefully both these guys can get back healthy, but I think that was probably the reason for the for the false nine. Although I will say it looked okay for a lot of the game. Yeah, I, I've got a couple of points around that, but I'm going to save it uh, so we can get through the stats and, and start to do the analysis. Uh, XG 1.35 to Chelsea to 0.99 for Arsenal. Again, if you saw the XG table that was posted around the end of the international break, Chelsea would be top four if we're using XG instead of actual <laughs> results. Uh, we had 11 shots, five on target to their 13 with three on target. Pretty even there. Um, we had three yellow cards apiece. Um, we had two big chances, missed the one. They had one big chance. They scored it. Um, they had three goalkeeper saves to our one. Goals prevented, we were negative 1.18 to their negative 0.11. So that's the, uh, the worst that we have seen, unfortunately. Uh, the one random stat, though, from at Optijosis21. Aged 21 years, 168 days, Cole Palmer's the third youngest player to score a penalty in back-to-back -back Premier League appearances behind only Bukai Osaka, 20 years, 230 days, and Peter Ndulavu, who is 21, 50 days. Responsibility. There's a little bit. Of, I don't. Clayton, what did you see when the penalty was called? It looked like it was Raheem, Enzo, and Cole all kind of congregated, sorting it out. And listen, I, I, I think that this... That the whole penalty thing is just I, I'm I don't want to sort of bore your listeners any more than I normally do, but I mean the whole VAR thing is just farcical. So there was a huge appeal at the time. I sit at the other end of the stadium, so I wouldn't have had a clear view of it. So I I, I didn't know. The game went on for I don't know two minutes maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt yeah it felt like a long time. And then the thing came up that there's a penalty review. Why didn't it come up within 15, 30 seconds? Stop the play. What would have happened if Arsenal would have scored? You know, it, it, it's, an, it's an utter farce. It is an utter, utter farce. I mean, great, we got a penalty and we scored and we went one up, which we deserved at the time. But it's not football. It's, it really isn't. It, it's just, it's farcical. It's absolutely farcical. I, I just don't get it. I don't get the delay in doing it. Yes, you want them to get it right. Yes, you want, you know, justice to be served. But it isn't, as we know, because it's all sort of fairly random. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I've seen it back and it was fairly obvious when you see it back, which is why I don't actually understand what took them two minutes to, to refer to the ref to say, go and have a look at the monitor. So yeah. a new change this season, and, and this week, as far as I know, Clayton, is that on our NBC broadcast, they actually hear the VAR conversation. So yeah. they are giving us, I had Lee Dixon giving me play-by-play -play of what the VAR was telling the referee, and that was interesting. But to your point, it takes them so long to get to any type of conclusion. If in that two minutes, you could have a wild challenge, a goal go the other way. To your point, like, the match happens, things happen. It just it opens it up for, like, well, how far do you go back? And that was the big thing when they uh, botched the Liverpool goal, right? It's like, oh, well, we're playing again. We can't stop it. And you're like, okay, well, what happens if, you know, like, some, like someone else goes and scores? No shot are they going to go back, give a penalty, and erase that goal. Like, no referee has the stones for that. So it is just kind of like setting everyone up for failure. Uh, but at least we knew on the broadcast a VAR review was coming. 
I think they were just waiting for it to go out of play, which is a terrible thing to do, to your point. Yeah. I, I also think, like, not only was the de- delay annoying, I think there's probably a hierarchy of penalty takers at Chelsea. It seems as if Cole Palmer is the penalty taker right now. So to me, there shouldn't be any discussion as to who is taking the penalty if that is determined in practice. Uh, you know, like, I, I think all of that stuff is really silly and someone like Sterling should know better, right? Like Enzo had to get the ball back for Palmer. You know, like that to me is just kind of a bad look. I know everyone wants to score goals and I appreciate the hunger of wanting to score goals because we need goals clearly. But that to me was just really silly. I I mean, he should he should know better as a season pro. All right. It it does actually question the management, doesn't it? Do do they not say that X is a penalty taker? That that was my like, if that is determined in practice, that is silly. If it isn't and it's kind of like whoever is feeling it at the time, which I think is a bad strategy, then that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, back-to-back penalties, kind of an uncomfortable situation for us as, as Chelsea supporters to be, and we're not, we're not used to, to getting those. So, uh, Nick, you did have an end pet shit house moment of the match. Come on. It's, it's the, uh, he meant it Schross from Mudrick and then the celebration oh, yeah. uh, with, with arms wide open right there. Uh, Arsenal fans uh, just uh, in their own feelings about the whole thing because the, he was their guy last, last January. So it was all very shithouse to me, Clayton. I don't know how it felt to you in the stadium. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting, actually, because when Mudrick came off, when he was substituted, you know, he obviously got a standing ovation and it was complete shtum down the other end. You know, he'd been getting dogs abuse on social media for joining us rather than them. And then there was a lot of uh, sort of thank the Lord that we didn't actually sign him because he looks dreadful, yada, yada. Um, Where we sit, whereas I didn't have a perfect view of stuff down the other end, I had a perfect view of this and he looked up before he hit it. Now, whether... (laughs) He meant to do. I don't. I don't know what else he was meaning to do because there was nobody in the area. It was a shot. Now you could just got to take your hat off and say, "Great skill," and I'm pleased for him. I mean, one of the things which has become really evident in the last sort of two, three weeks and his performances is how hard he's working now. He really, you know, he's not hiding, and. He looks the business. He really does. I mean, it, it, there was a there was a slight frustration in the first half that we couldn't get the ball to him as much as I would have liked to have seen him. But that wonderful move where Cole Palmer almost scored was started by him with a lovely little ball to Connor and Connor pushing forward. So, yeah, I'm giving it to him. I think he meant it. Um, I don't know what you guys think. They all count. That like I you know I I don't care if he meant it or not I I think for him to score in a big game like this has to just be critical for his confidence moving forward I mean he was so very clearly a handful for Arsenal's whole defense yesterday and I think to your point Clayton about Mudrik and why I wanted to kind of give him a special shout here his work rate going backwards which has not always been the best if we're being honest was tremendous yesterday. I mean, he was helping out Kukurea. Kukurea was was helping him out. Like, there seemed to be 
a way better understanding between the two. And he was doing the business trying to uh, bait Arsenal into bad passes when we were pressing and stuff like that. And all of that, to me, of course, the goal is fantastic. And, of course, some of his dribbling play and, and movement off the ball is fantastic. But that's the kind of stuff that I appreciate when I'm watching this team. Because in big matches, you need players to step up in all facets of the game, not just where they're kind of designated. And I, I really, yesterday was one of the first times that I was like, interesting. I think he's picking up with Potch is putting down. Well, uh, look, there, there's a lot more to get into that. I do want to pause to hit our ad break, uh, but we can get back uh, a lot more of the almost statement win of the season. Thank you to sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, like we said, almost statement win of the season for 77 minutes. This was the Chelsea side. Everyone was behind. We were excited. The bridge was rocking. Uh, playing inter- Arsenal off their international break, big bogey sk- fixture, right? But it honestly looked like it was a bogey for Arsenal. They were flat. Their big players weren't showing up. Chelsea came out ready to go, uh, had a great press, forced them into some mistakes, uh, it felt to me, Clayton, like we were winning our 1v1 duels. You think of the Cucurella, uh, Bukayo Saku, uh, Malagusto, he was in there getting stuck in against Martinelli, who had done really good. Even the midfield against Declan Rice, Connor picking his pocket, Jorginho very limited, and Martin Odegaard, who was not involved. It, it was the greatest of starts. Uh, finally got the goal in the 15th minute. Um, dominating possession, but... At the end of the day, it kind of slipped out of our hands. But Clayton, as far as up to the 77th minute, it was such a dominant performance. The bridge was so audible on the broadcast. I just kind of take me through the first, maybe even half. Yeah, I mean, there was a great atmosphere. I mean, London Derby, it's a 5.30 kickoff. You know what happens before, you know, a lot of action <laughs> in the in the local hostelries that you guys have frequented. And it's loud. You know, it's better. And what was was good that it built because there's obviously nervousness. I mean, they are a bogey side. We haven't beaten them for five years now. And they're a good team. They're a good team. They just come off a, a winning against Man City. And so that you know, there's 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 a sort of apprehension. But we were up for it and they weren't. And one of the things that hacked me off, and I think I said this to Nick on uh, sort of on a message, was, you know, Arteta afterwards, we were very poor. Well, why were you poor? You were poor because you had no time on the ball. You were unsettled. We were all over you. I mean, the first half, we completely dominated them. I completely dominated them. The, the, they did nothing. There was no... They didn't have a shot on target in the first half. I don't remember uh, Mr. Sanchez having anything to do in the first half. Um, it was it was the performance that we'd been waiting for. It was a performance that we basically hadn't seen for a long time. It was cohesive. It was passionate. It was everything that we expect to see from a Chelsea team. And it was fantastic. Ultimately, we looked like a team. And that, and that is is what you want to see. You want to see you want to see us working hard and looking like we want it. You know the the worst thing about some of the performances um, last season, and even you know you think back to West Ham, it was just damp squid. You couldn't see anything. You know there was nothing there. Ultimately, we didn't win the game, but 
you can't not but be encouraged by what you saw yesterday. You really can't. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, I think I think yesterday, and I I you know I, maybe I I'm misstating this, but I think yesterday was the first time that I saw a Pochettino game plan come together with the whole team bought into it so far this year. And of course it's going to take time, right? It's going to take a lot of time. These are all young players. We've, we've caveated and and everything uh, this year, just to make sure that people realize it's a young team and it's going to take time. But the pressing was impressive as hell. We scared Arsenal into back passes and back passes and back passes yesterday. It was intense. The spacing of our players in the press was excellent all game. The hard work of your Cole Palmers and your Connor Gallagher's up front made Caicedo's job that much more impactful in midfield, made Enzo's job in transitioning the ball forward when we did win the ball back that much easier uh, and made our defenses lives a lot easier too. Um, you know, even Kukurea, who I think, you know, I, I second your earlier statement, Clayton, who had an excellent game, you know, everything moved together and moved back and moved together and moved back. It, it did look like one unit instead of three different pieces trying to figure out a way to work together. And that is incredibly encouraging. Um, there, there can be no doubt about it. You know, in, in these big matches, I kind of equate these things to, you know, title fights in boxing. And the worst thing that you can do is wait to get hit. You know, I mean, just go out oh, yeah. and start and start swinging right away. <laughs> Make sure that they know that this is an actual fight. And we haven't done that to them in a long fucking time. It's been a long time since we've come out and hit them first and then see what they have. Right. And yesterday they didn't have anything. I mean, really, it was, you know, some simple mistakes that got them back into the game. But, it, you know, it wasn't of their own making. You know, and, and I think that's the encouraging part is if the team can play like this, especially in the stretch that we have coming up, that is, is pretty damn difficult. There's a lot to be optimistic about. Yeah, I felt like the the fullbacks were really standout in, in those performances where they were like lockdown defenders. Uh, they didn't go. I mean, Malagusta went forward a little bit. Kukure, not so much, which you're fine with. Sit back and and just man mark. Martinelli and Saka, you know so much go through them and you constantly were forcing them backwards or picking their pocket and then starting the counterattack. And so I think that was a, a bright spot, especially when, um, you know, it, it freed up the, the midfield, who I'll touch on a little bit, to do their thing as well. But it felt like to me those are elevated performances, especially Clayton. They're not your starting fullbacks when everyone's healthy, right? Like this was our... Backup left back, backup right back. Malagusto coming off a suspension, got his France debut. Debut uh, hasn't really been to squad that long. Cucurella constantly getting battered when he's out there, right? Like not he he's well aware of what the Chelsea supporters think of him, but he's now stacked a few performances in the right side. And I thought that was a very tangible um, part of the pitch that Chelsea dominated. Yeah. I th- I think in light of the fact of who you who they were facing, who are two of the most dangerous wingers around, they were fantastic. I, th- I think, I can't remember, it might have been Matt Law in one of your pre-season shows or what have you, highlighted the fact that the Gusto purchase sort of went under the radar. And that is that, I mean, because you got to remember, he's really young, isn't he? He's only about, was he 19, 20, something like that? He's, he's a fabulous player. He really is a fabulous player. And 
you know, because of Reese's injuries, we need decent backup at right back, and we now have it. I mean, we really do. We we you can't when you see his name on the team sheet, you don't obviously you always want Reese playing, but when you see his name on the team sheet, you cannot see that certainly defensively that that team is in any way diminished i mean this is a this is a proper proper right back cucurella's different cucurella's the last three games that he's played at right back he's been excellent he's been really really good and you know he's had an awful start to his career at the club really really awful i mean he he was poor last season really poor when he came in, you thought that's a great purchase. Okay, we paid too much money for him, but you know, what else is new? Um, but you just didn't see it last season. You just didn't see it at all. He had a couple of games where you thought, oh, yeah, not bad. This season is on a different level. And yesterday was certainly, as far as I can remember, that his best performance at left back that I've seen. And as you say, Brandon, he just didn't give them a sniff. And what I like about him, he's got something about him. He's, you know, we're we're too nice as a team and have been for years. And we we need a little bit of S housery, you know. He's got that. I don't know if you saw like there were a couple of things where he's sort of growling. He's like a terrier, you know. He's he's not happy, and that's great. That's what I want to see from my players. With so so true, I is to to pin it real quick, Nick. Uh, Gusto is twenty, turns twenty one May nineteenth, right? So uh, our average age is twenty four point eight, and that's with a thirty nine year old on the pitch. Uh, Arsenal was twenty five point six. We know they're also a young and upcoming team, but I mean, almost a year younger on average. So, anyways, Nick, I know you want to touch on those fullbacks. Yeah, a special shout to Kukurea yesterday. I think Saka right now is the hardest assignment that a left back can have in the league. Saka is playing extremely well. He's obviously a quality player. He's now a starter for England. Like these are, you know, these are not easy assignments. He's a super, super tricky player as well. Has the skill and the and the strength to get by uh, lesser fullbacks. And Kukurea never let him out of his sight yesterday in open play. I mean, he was on him, connected to him, and I was praying that we would do some sort of man-marking exercise yesterday because when those players are allowed to float between the lines, that's when they're most dangerous. That's when they really get going. And I thought it was super smart to just, Gusto's on Martinelli, uh, Kukurea's on Saka, and then you you trust your center backs to figure out the rest, right? Caicedo kind of hung around Odegaard a little bit more, which I thought was super smart. Just made him uncomfortable enough. It wasn't an N'Golo Conte type of shadowing thing, but it was just enough to kind of put him off for most of the game. Very, very smart game plan. And the players executed it, right? You can have a really smart game plan that the players don't execute, and it doesn't mean shit. So they, they actually did really well yesterday, and they were aggressive. Like, I, I love the aggression. Obviously, we don't want the red cards to come with the aggression, but we want it to be... Interesting. And Saka was visibly frustrated the entire match yesterday. The entire match. Even when he got the assist, he was still visibly frustrated because Kukurea was right up him. Yeah. The the other part of this squad that I felt really turned up was the midfield. Holy Moises Caicedo. My word, mm-hmm. he looks fit. Uh, the press and the ability to force bad passes, Nick, was there from this squad. Uh, Caicedo and Gallagher pressed the hell out of that midfield. 
Enzo got involved, um, his ability to retain possession in tight spaces and wriggle out and kind of release the ball, it was one of the, I think it's probably the best game. I was in Discord uh, for the match yesterday, and and I asked, I was like, is this the best we've seen Enzo? And I think everybody was like, from recent memory, absolutely, probably this season. So again, like Gallagher continuing to do a little bit of everything, Caicedo being an absolute destroyer back there and and also covering an immense ground amount of ground. Uh, this short of a goal, because we know Enzo still hasn't proved that he can score goals. Um, Connor had his one ch- his half chance he was offsides, but like that is right now the only thing missing, it feels like, from this midfield, especially when you're going up against the Jorginho, Declan Rice, Martin Odegaard. Jorginho probably is their weak link. They wish they didn't have in there. But Declan and Martin Odegaard are considered a couple of the top midfielders in the Premier League in in, in recent memory. So they stepped up too. Yeah, we didn't really even uh, play Jorginho yesterday. We just kind of let him sit there and kind of pass sideways, which was um, hilarious to see from the other side. But um, I thought that, you know, when Odegaard floated in, Caicedo was right there, knew exactly what he was trying to do. I thought it was just a master class in the way that he was kind of patrolling that area of the field. And then the other thing about Caicedo that I think went under the radar when we signed him is that he is an incredibly accurate passer moving the ball forward. And there were some uh, passes that were floated out to the wings that went to Cole Palmer, Raheem Sterling, or even uh, Mudrick that allowed them to run with the ball after that. Like, he is not just a destroyer. He's not just going to win you the ball back and then freak out with the ball at his feet. He actually does move the ball forward really well. And I am incredibly impressed by him. I think in these big games, Clayton, you're going to see the best of him because he will have real, real challenges in transition to move the ball, and and he seems up for it. I I think it was a Fulham game, and I just thought, hello, we've got a midfield. You know, these three are working really, really well together. And I thought they were excellent yesterday. Um, It's interesting what you were saying about Enzo, because of the three, I would say he was the quietest one. And I'm not criticising him, but he he wasn't as busy in the game as Caicedo and Gallagher from my perspective. But what do I know? Um, And who knew that spending £200 million on two midfield players would gets a good midfield um doesn't always work uh but it has done I mean I have to say that I love Enzo and I think Enzo is just a absolutely class footballer I had seen very little of Caicedo um other than you know when we played Brighton he's fabulous he's fit and he is fantastic and what can you say about Connor the much still bizarrely maligned Connor. I mean, go figure. I I don't get it. I I basically bigged him up at the beginning of the season when he was going and I got lots of dogs abuse. He never gets in, you know, he's never going to be a class player. He's not, you know, he's not good enough. Every team that wins the league has got a Gallagher in it. A player that you may not immediately think he's the number one player on the team sheet i mean apart from the fact he loves the club which you can't buy you know that that's he wants to be out there he wants to play and he wants to play for chelsea and that for me is a huge thing i mean my biggest fear is i don't know what the contract situation with him is because i know that the the owners 
if you've got less than two years left, they want to shift you. Have has he been offered a new contract? I mean, that that that's a that's a big thing because he just looks the part. And making him captain, genius. Oh, he was fantastic yesterday. I mean again. He was yeah. <laughs> again, yeah. No, uh, he really was. I mean, he was playing center forward for a little bit in this game. <laughs> you know, he was like mixing it up and Palmer would kind of drop deeper and then he'd move up and then he would lead the press and then he would drop back. And I, I just thought the understanding of those four up front was fantastic, especially because we didn't have that sort of target player. And he got stuck in on some tackles, which I really appreciate. I think him and Declan got tangled a couple of times, which was interesting to see. Um, because, you know, I, I still think Declan's a fantastic player and I really, I really like watching him play except when he's playing against us. So it's, um, it's an interesting one, but God, he was all over the place yesterday. I mean, pure heart and guts and again, big games, big performances. You can count on him to absolutely lay it out on the field. No problem. Well, I'm going to pause there. We're going to take a quick break. But when we do get back, so much more, specifically what Potch had to say. So thank you, sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, just to put the bow on the midfield, Potch said after the match, we needed to change the shape and the strategy of the attack. We tried to have superiority in the middle with Palmer and Connor Gallagher stopping the center backs, having a reference and getting them into the midfield zone. And then we used Sterling and Mudrick for the 1v1s. I am so happy with the performance of Palmer and Gallagher, end quote. Um, Poch is happy. I'm happy. Again, when you see the Proyecto de Poch come together, gentlemen, there is a lot to like. Again, Clayton, you said at the beginning, the cohesiveness. We looked like a team, a unit. Uh, that, to me, is the big thing uh, that shows that what Poch has been working on up to this point, dealing with endless injuries, s- terrible suspensions, calls not going our way, you're starting to see this team say, outside of all of that, we are going to create our own fortune and create the results we want, and we're starting to see it. It would actually be really embarrassing if you were a large influencer who said, potch out a few weeks ago. Thank God that was not us. Um, let's talk about the other side of this. There was a lot of up. We got the excitement out. The draw that felt like a loss, part de potch puts it, context is everything. Nick, do you want to take this one? Yeah, I said, of course, we're disappointed at the end. We can't only look at the last few minutes. There are many positive things. We're the better team. We lost two points in a never in a way that you never want to lose them. But after playing a team that was fighting for the Premier League last season, we can take many positives and be proud, show great character and personality. We're competitive. We deserved this more. And we need to keep believing because good things will arrive. I like the way the players are feeling now. They are really upset. I want to see that. But we need to keep working. We are in a good way. And, and yeah, I mean, we have to talk about it, right? Because for 77 or 76 minutes, I should say, we were cruising. We were cruising towards a statement victory. This was, you know, a team that, again, as, as Clayton, you mentioned earlier, was has been a bogey team for us. The fact that, you know, we haven't recorded a victory after them against owning them for most of the 21st century is uh, not great. And, you know, I, I looked at the last... 13 to 17 minutes, however long there was an extra time or added time, I should say, as this team doesn't quite know how to win these games. Um, Context being, I believe that you win and lose as a team, that not one 
action wins or loses a match, you know, and and not one player is deserving of all the blame or all of the credit. However, <laughs> the momentum clearly turned when Sanchez played a uh, pretty bad ball out. Enzo wasn't able to gather it. Uh, Declan was able to take it and score it. And I felt at that point we were going to give up the equalizer just because the team had not kind of proven to itself yet that they were worthy of winning a game like that. So I don't know what your thoughts were, Clayton, on the whole situation, but it felt pretty bad. The, the fact of the matter is that had we not gifted that goal, they wouldn't have scored a goal. They'd created nothing. They're basically, they had, they'd been outplayed and they'd been out for that goal just gave them belief. You know, I, I, I agree that you don't, you know, you win as a team, you lose as a team, but you, you can't not just look at that, that, that glaring error and the fact that with the best will in the world, the guy can't play out with his feet. And if that's why Potter dropped him, um, and if that's why, um, Oh God! What's their manager called? Um, their current manager, Deserby. Brian, if that's why he wasn't playing, you, it, it's plain to see. I mean, there were the, the game where he was just dreadful with his feet was when we played Brighton in in the in the League Cup. Whether they got whether he, the Brighton fans had got in his head, but his distribution in that game was equally awful. I mean, okay, this is just one, but it only needs just one um i don't want i don't want to get onto the guys back but you can't you can't live in the modern game without a goalkeeper who can play like a defender as much as i hate the way the game's gone as a goalkeeper you know and thanks pep but <laughs> a goalkeeper unfortunately has got to be good with his feet and this guy isn't now I think whether he is able to adapt, I don't know, because you had the great Petr Cech, who when he went to Arsenal was still a great goalkeeper, but then he was he was being made to play out and he couldn't do it. You know, and it breaks my heart as a member of the union that this is a thing, but it is a thing. And... I don't know. I don't know. I I really, I, I don't know where we go with it because it is so important. It is so important. And everything we've seen about Sanchez in, in terms of commanding his area, of shot stopping, it's been impressive, although there is one caveat to, to this, but I don't know if we'll come on to it. Um, but he can't play with his feet. And I don't know whether he'll survive that. Before you go, Brandon, before you get stuck in here, because I know you have commentary. If this was the first time that we saw Sanchez make an error with his feet, then I don't think we'd be having the same conversation. But it seems as if this is once or twice a game or every other game that we're seeing a giveaway in a dangerous area that could be converted into a goal. And unluckily for us, it was this time. You know, But if you think back to the Brighton chance that João Pedro had in the cup that probably should have been a goal as well right so it does seem as if this is a trend not just an isolated incident oh I mean I haven't really heard of any other examples minus the the Brighton one 
Um, but Matt and I talked about it. Like, is he great? No. Like, he's not great. So I think Chelsea have to figure out. Um, you kn- we know that that Robert Sanchez came in almost as a, as a transition goalkeeper. Got him for a, a great price, right? Probably doing better than what they expected they're going to get him. Clayton nailed it. Shot stopping, commanding in the box, aerial prowess. He crushed Gabriel Jesus yesterday, right? Clattered him. That's what you get with him, big goalkeeper, right? Attackers are not going to want to go up for any cross because they think big body Bob is coming through. Uh, The downside is, you know, his feet. So Chelsea need to understand uh, with Tony Jimenez what they do want Sanchez to do and not do. How do they minimize his liabilities and maximize his strengths? But I would say this was a a pass you would expect him to make. not under pressure, straightforward. Enzo, you know, was in space, could hit, um, and he didn't. The The hard part is that he, you know, he created the only half chance, and Declan buried it, almost missed it. And I think if Declan wouldn't have take, hit it first time, credit to him, it probably doesn't go in. Um, it, it was the worst of the worst. So I think... You know, obviously goalkeepers judge harshly. You know, Cole Palmer, when David Raya did the exact same thing, except even worse, was able to recover. Cole didn't finish right away. Um, Jackson had some opportunities where he didn't finish right away. The ball just gets stuck under the attacker's foot. The The problem is, is, um, you know, they get, a, it's it's more acceptable for those mistakes. We were up to nothing. The young squad couldn't get the job done uh, once you know, we created this issue for ourselves. So it sucks, right? But uh, I would still say Sanchez has overperformed on any of my expectations coming into this season. Uh, They're going to have to grow and learn and figure it out. Um, Thank God we didn't lose all the points is is the silver lining, and we ended up with a draw. But, uh, yeah, this was was the one that sucked. This was the, the death stroke in terms of winning the match, unfortunately, on the day. And the thing I'd say about this is like, this is especially gutting because I wanted to beat them so bad. And for 76 minutes all we over were destroying them. Yeah. In those last few minutes, we could have lost the match, right? That's how easy it goes in the premier league. He, he should have, of course, saved uh, the second goal. He's right at the post. Just didn't look confident in, in getting across to it. And, you know, this young team, again, hasn't quite figured out what the recipe is to close out matches and make statements, right? I have no doubt that it will happen. It's incredibly frustrating that it did not happen yesterday. But the the team then, if, if we know, I think to close out the Sanchez point, if we know that Robert cannot pass the ball out under pressure against the press, we have to change the way that we play, right? We cannot continue to do madness back there. It doesn't make any sense. And so that is why when I say you win and lose the team, Pochettino has to analyze this and go, "Eh, perhaps we try something else because clearly 
this is not working. There's plenty of game tape for you to to look at, Brandon, that would suggest that maybe this is not the best move. I think West Ham was a, another good example of this because they kind of pressed up and he had some nervy moments there too. But it's it's not working. So figure out a different way to play. Get your wings open. Make those kind of medium range passes out and, and try and break that way because it's just you're 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 asking for it if if you can't make those key passes. Uh, Clayton, thoughts on the second goal being Sanchez's fault? I think that's a bit harsh. So uh, two points. I mean, just picking up on what Nick said, I haven't seen that again for obvious reasons. I don't want to see it again, but I've, you're more than you, you're not the first person who's basically said Sanchez could have done better on the second goal. The point is, having lived that life as a goalkeeper, when you do what he did on the first goal your head's gone after that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you manage to survive the rest of the game and he only had 10, 15 minutes to go, then so be it. So if he was at fault, I'm not surprised. But, you know, it it was a good goal. It was well worked. It, it, it is what it is. But just picking up on what you said, Brandon, about him being big and coming for crosses, that was a penalty. I mean, he wiped out the Arsenal striker. A penalty has been given for that in the Premier League this season. He's had a penalty given against him, uh, against AFC Wimbledon. You know, what is it they say? It's not big and it's not clever. You know, I I think that, yeah. Listen, I don't want to be down on him. I really don't want to be down on him. But I really do want to see Petrovic play in the League Cup. I know it's a tournament that we've got to target. But it's Blackburn Rovers at home. And I, I would like to see Petrovic just get a run out. I just want to see the guy. Um, I've never seen him. I hear he's really good with his feet. Um, let's have a look at him. I think you have to just in general, right? Like you need to know what the other option you have is. You still need to make sure he gets some competitive minutes. He can't go six, seven months and then you throw him in at the end of the season if it's not working. Um, so I think this is just good squad management to to get him in. I look, Clay, I can't imagine he doesn't go in, right? I mean, you've got Blackburn Rovers midweek, the perfect time to toss him in and say, going into it, hey, you're gonna play, get him in with the first team, get those reps in in advance. I think that's a very easy thing that they're gonna do. But to your point, you have to make sure he knows he has competitive minutes coming. You can test him. Uh, it's going to help give him belief that if things go his way, he could potentially push his way in. Again, just squad management one-on-one. Uh, Potch was asked about Sanchez. <laughs> just to say this. We are so happy with him. Of course, he's disappointed and upset with his decision, but mistakes, happens, mistakes happen in football. This goal gave belief to Arsenal. We can maybe read uh, better the situation, the tempo, the timing. We can take risks on 77 minutes because it's our philosophy, but maybe there's another decision that you can take. <laughs> I, I love the way that he speaks. You can do this, but maybe there's another way. Um, I, I like that. It's not to blame someone. It can happen. It will arrive with time, when to be calm, and when to take risks, and we are still a really young team getting to know each other. Basically what we said. Just summed up Posh's quotes in about 15 minutes of conversation, so well done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're di super disappointed. He should have made that pass, but there's a lot of other things that could have gone our way. Uh, ended up out of the day, get a point, move on. Um, unfortunately, 
Clayton, you said you had a run kind of right at the end of the game. But overall, just kind of sum up the match inside the bridge. Uh, it's it a big London derby, to your point. There's a huge rivalry between Chelsea and Arsenal over the years. You gave the super deflating statistic about not being them in five seasons. Um, how was it with you and in the stands and kind of the the atmosphere throughout the time that you, you were there? Because um, it's been very up and down the results right and the fans can only do so much but a lot of times the supporters in the stands you need something to react to it felt like the team and the bridge were very much conjoined and together yesterday i think it's been like that all season i think it's there's a real support maybe not so much vocally in some of the games but i think there's a support and the fans can see what's happening the fans can see that there is a gradual improvement. They're not seeing the disjointed football of Potter. They're not seeing the sort of, well, quite frankly, lame football that Lampard produced, not blaming him per se, but they're basically seeing something happening. They're seeing players play for the shirt. The the, the fans are very, very much on side. There hasn't been any reaction to the fact that we're managed by a guy who used to manage another team whose name we don't mention um and it's all been very positive i think that there wasn't even any sort of anger towards the end of the game yesterday i think it's because we are in this place and as nick mentioned we can't get it over the line and i think there's a sort of general acceptance within the support and within the ground that, you know, we don't win these games. We haven't won a big game. We didn't win one last season. And I can't remember the last time. I don't know if you got the stats the last time we beat somebody in the big six or seven or whatever it is. It's been a long time coming. But the, what, what I would say is that, yes, we do have a tough run of fixtures, but the way we're playing at the moment, I can see that it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen in, in this run of fixtures because I actually think that we are improving. I think the the, the big thing that we, we need to do, I think, to top and tail this season is that we need to get a proper striker in um, over Christmas, which is perhaps going off topic. Um, but yeah, no, the, the the stadium's good. There's There's good vibes at the moment. Love it. Uh, special shout out for Tiago Silva in this match, who I thought was oh, by wow. and large, by and large, excellent. Um, oh, wow. Vintage. Um, as as my boy Chase at the KC Blues said yesterday at the pub, stalwart uh, back there. Uh, Levi didn't have a uh, tremendously comfortable game, I'd say. On the other side, I, I thought that he looked a little nervy at times, but he fought Tiago, through it, which is yeah, a credit he did. to him. He did fight through it. Uh, he didn't crumble he, after like, yeah. you know, had some misplaced passes and clearances. He stayed he stayed engaged. He stuck in. Yeah. Tiago really helped him though and and was truly excellent across the board yesterday. But that's the point, Clayton, is like Tiago needs a week to recover. He can't be playing every single minute of every single game. My man's got two weeks off. It was great. He was in cryo every day, probably. <laughs> Rolling back the weeks. <laughs> 
So you, you guys know me of old and you know that I've been going to Stamford Bridge for a very, very long time. And Thiago Silva is without doubt in the top 10 of the best players I've ever seen play for Chelsea. He is unbelievable. I mean, just he's, he's just so classy. He's just a brilliant footballer. And, um, and what you've got to remember is this guy's 39 and he's playing in his head. And he's still better than most of the strikers that he comes up against. He is just, it, it is such a privilege to see this guy play football. And it will be a sad day when he departs. <laughs> Gabriel Jesus uh, tried many different moves to get around him yesterday. <laughs> None of them were successful. And there was one moment where Tiago just like stiff-armed him off the ball and was like, there, there, son. It was cute, but no, I'll be having that and just pass it clearly out to Gusto. And oh man, I was just like, I was watching this. I was like, God, this is like two years ago, Tiago Silva that we're watching. Just class across the board. Another house mode of the match I just remembered was uh, at one point, Levi Colwell blocked a header at the back post with his chest. So quite <laughs> athletic of him. Crazy. He He is. He's going to be special, man. He is yeah. going to be special. It's not hard to see, but the, these are the moments. This, like, cauldron uh, sort of game is a moment where he's going to grow for sure. Well, no Dan of the match because it wasn't a win. Uh, I think that there's uh, some good candidates, which is nice that we had options to choose from. But as we look around the table, some of the other fixtures that have gone on over the weekend – uh, it was Liverpool, Everton, the Merseyside Derby, 2-0. Ashley Young coating himself in glory, getting a first half, two cautions sent off. Uh, Brentford beating Burnley, 3-0. Red card for Burnley. Uh, Bournemouth, 1. Wolves, 2. A red card for Bournemouth. So uh, uh, the trend's not over in, as far as people being sent off. Nottingham Forest, Luton Town, Battle of the Bads, punch for punch, 2-2. Two two. Man City, 2. Brighton, 1. Red card for Man City. Uh, Newcastle 4, Crystal Palace nil. Chelsea Arsenal 2-2, two, two. Sheffield United 1, Man United 2. This morning, Sunday's match, Villa 4, West Ham 1 with Tottenham Fulham yet to play on Monday. There's a lot that went on in this one. I don't know, Nick, if you watched any of the games that we're excited by. Um, I don't think there's really any huge surprises over the weekend. No, I watched the the Villa West Ham game this morning because I was really interested in that. Um, I think these two teams are largely like the same team, just one place in Birmingham, one place in London. Uh, but uh, Villa Villa are cooking right now. They look pretty damn good, and they're physical. Uh, they're very vertical as a team. Like they just like to get vertical really quick. Um, so I was impressed by them. City has not looked as good this season as I thought they would. I think this the table is gonna shake out by Christmas as it always does. But right now they're they're really struggling. That's two games with a red card in a row for them, um, which is interesting. Um, but no, I think the rest of it is is pretty clean. Newcastle have for me the best form of all these teams right now and look really really tough. Uh, Clayton, anyone really surprising you or the opposite, really surprised by how poor they've been this season? Um, I think Villa are very impressive. I think they, they he's doing a great job. I mean, he's been there, I, said, I think I read earlier, he's been there 10 months and what he's done in 10 months, you know, is what we were hoping that Potter was going to do with us. Um, but 
he's a genuinely, genuinely good manager. Um, no, I, I, I think everything's happening as it should. I, I mean, I, I'm quite surprised that Bournemouth haven't won a game this season. Um, Brentford, sadly, who haven't been doing that well, have now sort of started winning games, obviously, just before they're playing us. But no, I, I think, listen, it's I, I, I saw the only game I, I saw other than our game this weekend was I, I watched some of the Liverpool game and yet again, just appalling double standards of refereeing, you know, just... Everton, two bookings, bloke goes off. Kayato, Kayato, whatever his name is, booking, and then a dead, you know, second booking, but it wasn't given. And and it was nil-nil at the time. And it's just it skews everything. But yeah, no, it's listen, um I agree, City don't look as they do. They've lost a couple of really good players, but I think every season City starts slowish. Yeah. And then it's just like, you know, it's like a big stretch of February game. All right, then. All right. Yeah, we'll win every game now till the end of the season, if we must. I'm I'm just waiting for Klopp to come out and ask for this the referee to referee all the rest of their matches now. Oh, so, my gosh. You know, it's uh, it's just fantastic. The, uh, the Liverpool yeah. bias. Referees are afraid of Klopp now because they said, oh, he won't referee any more of the Liverpool games. Like, no referee wants to put themselves in that situation. The way that they have handled this is shocking yet again. I'm over it. Anyways, table as it stands. City atop Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham are the top four. Uh, if Tottenham win against Fulham tomorrow, which you, which you would expect, they would jump Liverpool uh, and Arsenal. And actually, they would shit. They go right to the top of the table. If yep. Spurs win tomorrow. Um, and then in the middle of the table, Chelsea are 10th. Uh, we've got uh, United 8, West Ham 9, Chelsea 10, Palace 11. And then the bottom, Burnley 18th, Bournemouth 19th, Sheffield United 20th, Sheffield United quietly going down without a whimper. Uh, Luton Town escaping relegation by a point as it stands. Uh, Clayton, don't worry. The only match Burnley or Brentford have won the last five was this last one against a very, very bad Burnley. So, uh, Hopefully that doesn't put too much wind in their sails, but the next matchup is Chelsea versus Brentford. As you said, a little bit of a West London match uh, coming up on uh, next Saturday, 6.30 a.m. for us, which means what? A noon yeah. 30 kickoff for you, Clayton. 12.30 kickoff, yeah. Nice, nice flat atmosphere in the stadium. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, near, it's near your stomping grounds, though. It's not too far of a trek, is it? at the bridge oh, no 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 it's just it's, it's just oh, it that, you know that, those morning kickoffs are notoriously flat it's just yeah. like yeah you know yeah really really poor really poor um yeah well like i said we'll continue to look down double up uh see if we can keep the the london winning going uh that was um a stick that we've been used to beat with lately. Not the best team in London, not the best team in West London, turning that around this weekend. But Clayton, thoroughly enjoyed having you on. As always, my my fellow brethren in the goalkeepers union. Uh, loved, loved, loved getting your perspective from the stands on this one. Thank you. It's been great to be back, guys. Really enjoyed it. Um, good to see you. Yeah, likewise. Nick, big week ahead of us per usual, right? Big week ahead. We have a lot coming up. Uh, we're going to try and get our good old friend Naz back on the pod to talk about everything that's going on. We have a Blue Royalty match review that will be in your earballs as soon as possible. And then, of course, Sam uh, will be back with a newsletter on Wednesday and the Brentford match preview on Friday. 
lots of really good stuff happening. Yeah. I, as always, shout out to the fan cast. Clayton, a big part of that. Uh, love Chidge and, and everything you guys are doing. Uh, wouldn't be doing this if it weren't for you guys. So check it out. Anyways, that's going to wrap us up. More content coming out this week. Uh, one point in the bag. Almost got there in the end, but uh, we'll be breaking everything down. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thank you.